Welcome folks to another episode of That's Anita Live, the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing to help you create a happier life. This week we're talking how to help black men heal. My guests are the co-founders of Black Men Heal and are here to educate us on the differences between how men versus women go through the healing process. Taz is a licensed professional counselor and a marriage and family therapist. She runs her own private practice in the Philadelphia area and is passionate about removing the stigma around mental health. Kavana is a licensed marriage and family therapist who services the greater Philadelphia and Delaware area. She currently serves as a full-time clinical coordinator at a nonprofit agency in Delaware and is passionate about transforming the lives of people by providing healing in a safe and supportive environment. We all know how important that is. Miss mm -hmm. Ann, sitting to my left, is a licensed marriage and family therapist and ordained clergy. Watch your mouth. <laughs> Note to self. And has more than 20 years of experience developing counseling programs. She also runs her own private practice, providing services to children, families, and adults. Welcome, Philly, to the show. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having thank us. You having us. Well, thank you for coming yes. down and hanging out with me. So how is it that you all got together and decided to form Black Men Heal? Well, um, initially, so initially I started thought of the concept and the idea around it, I think back in like May. Okay. And the idea kind of stemmed from just like working with men in private practice and realizing um, that I just wish that all men would, especially black men, would go to therapy. And, you know, just the, around the ideas of there's been a lot of talk of mental health around the crisis around mental health. Yes. Um, but I was like, I want to do more than just talk about it. So initially, I um, thought I would offer my own pro bono sessions to a black male. No, I would no. kind of just like pro advertise bono. it. Know pro bono means, free. right? That's free. <laughs> pro bono means like it does not cost anything. Right. Because in my practice, I don't really take insurance. It's expensive to see me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's how I can give back. I can do more than just talk about a problem. Okay. And then as I, you know, I kind of entertained that idea more, but I was like, okay, that could help on a very micro level I could help one man by giving out a free session but I was like what if I could get a bunch of therapists who would agree to see a male for free pro bono so it kind of stemmed from that and um, I went to four of my very very close friends and colleagues we all met um, at a postgraduate training program called Council for Relationships in Philadelphia. Okay. So we all had training together um, for marriage and family therapy and, and sex therapy. And so I went to Ryan and Kavana. Ryan's not here today, but um, and Kavana and Ann. And we all also like in practice, we've all referred to one another. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of already knew them and we all have different backgrounds and I felt like, okay, I know all of their strengths as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And to, to take on a mission that I wanted to be as big because at that point the vision became, I want this to be national. I want, you know, to get as many therapists as we can who would volunteer mm -hmm. for donating these free sessions to the men. And I can't do that by myself. So luckily I went to my, my, my friends here and asked them to join forces with me to bring this mission to birth it to life. And that's how it started. So you all met all you met previously and knew mm -hmm. each other from postgraduate work. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where did you Where did you go to college? 
Um, so I went to originally college in Tennessee, University of Tennessee. And I'm from Chicago and I went to DePaul University. And I went to Temple University in Philadelphia. Yeah. Big hard schools, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Deep in mm -hmm. experience, not only in people, mm -hmm. because college life does give you a good grasp. Right. While you're studying counseling, and in the midst of that environment, mm -hmm. that's a richness mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So you said that each person brings a different background to the area, mm -hmm. to the Black Men Hill. Yes. What, Kavana, what do you add to? I add a lot, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does. No, um, I think um, each of us, like you said, we bring something, but it's just our personality and then our passion and a purpose behind it, you know? So my story in being passionate about it, when she brought it to me, I'm like, yes, because I've already been thinking about ways that we can help men heal. Okay. But mine was different in, in regards to experiences that I've had mm -hmm. in the counseling sessions. You know, I worked with, give an example, I worked with a couple where they were dealing with infidelity mm -hmm. and the, they'd gone over it. They got past it and I noticed that the husband still hadn't forgiven himself. So I checked in, I was like, you know, how, how do you know you've forgiven each other? And she was like, well, I don't want to slap him when he come down the kitchen. I was like, yes, girl, oh. yes. <laughs> you know, she was joking, but it was serious too. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know what that looks like. Mm. And I was like, you know, forgiveness is in the repair, right? So when you decided to step through that door to do this process with your wife, you started it and he, it blew his mind mm -hmm. because it was concrete for him as a man. Mm -hmm. Like there's steps to it. And I was like, I need to do a panel about this mm -hmm. because men need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So even, and this is like a year ago, remember Tess, mm -hmm. I'm talking to you yeah. about it. I had already started that process. So it was like, yeah, I'm passionate about this. So when she came to me, I was like, oh, yep. This is the piece I bring. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then? So I'm a little different than, I think I'm the oldest of the group. And um, I started out in business. Um, so I have an MBA, I was in corporate America, uh, and then uh, asking God what my purpose was mm -hmm. led me to here. Um, but for me, a, there are a couple things that drew me to this. One, um, in my own personal family, okay. um, a lot of the men in my family suffer from uh, mental health. And as I reflected back on how we dealt with it, right, it wasn't really dealt with, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, they did whatever they did and we and the family hid or dealt with or however they dealt with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I came into the profession, um, I tend to speak male language um, a little bit better than a lot of women. Okay. Um, I relate to men, so I've been told by men. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of my practice was men. Um, and I remember this is when I knew, okay, I clicked a young man who was in his tw late 20s who used to be a drug dealer uh, came to my office and um, his parents were paying for it. And after the first session, he said, no, he's a street guy, mm -hmm. right? And he's like, I did not believe in therapy. I didn't know what this was gonna be, but I like you and now I believe in it. And so I know that men can, black men, um, can get help, and so here I am. What are the differences? What what is what is so special about this whole men heal mess? <laughs> what are the, what are the differences between the way, just in general, mm -hmm. men heal mm -hmm. versus women, 
and then we'll get take it straight into the black community and mm -hmm. the differences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So who wants to take first? Yeah, well, I'll take that. So um, the funny thing is, and I always go back to thinking about my clients, but as women, we're socialized and conditioned to talk about our feelings. It's right. okay for us to cry. Mm -hmm. It's okay for us to nurture or be nurtured. Mm -hmm. Men were initially suck it up. I didn't know mm -hmm. boys could cry until I was like 12. <laughs> I mean, seriously, mm -hmm. I didn't know they had that ability. Mm -hmm. So one, I would say women were naturally inclined or conditioned to automatically to say, okay. oh, it's okay for me to express my feelings. Right. Men are not. So that's the one big difference that this disparity, when they come in my room, I just even have to teach them the language around emotion mm -hmm. or even identify it. So that's, that's the biggest difference, mm -hmm. yeah. And I was also gonna add to that, I don't think women get judged or shamed for expressing their feelings. Mm -hmm. I feel like men have this mask that they have to wear, um, and it's a really lonely and isolating mask mm -hmm. where they have to um, you know, uphold to these ideas or ideals of what it means to be a man or masculinity, mm -hmm. and then that prevents them, and that idea, unfortunately, we have it all wrong in our society that we think that being vulnerable is weak because mm -hmm. being vulnerable is not weak. Being vulnerable, I know for me personally, is one of my hardest gripes that I work with. It's actually not easy to kind of step right. out onto a ledge. Um, it's full of risk, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think the idea that being vulnerable is weak has been part, a part of the conditioning of men mm -hmm. and masculinity. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's unfortunate and I hope that we will start to chip away at that false idea. Absolutely, and just to piggyback, the other, so what they do is because um, the misnomer is that men don't have emotions, right? All human beings have emotions. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, what now there's this new term called toxic masculinity. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. What they do with that is is that they become aggressive, right? Okay. So that's why you, they play football or they get into boxing or they become aggressive with women or they buy cars and they drive fast and a lot of times or they have addictions and a lot of times that is to cope with these emotions that they're told that they're not supposed to have okay right so when i uh had my son obviously i was totally against it I was, you can cry right real men do cry so um, well, what is what is toxic masculinity so the term toxic masculinity actually came out, um, this whole Me Too movement, hashtag Me Too movement, um, and it's this, what we're talking about, this sort of uh, masculinity that says that men have to be a certain way, they have to be macho, they can't show emotion, they can't be vulnerable. When you do that, you create a toxicness, right, within ourselves because when we uh, keep our emotions down, we know what happens to that, right? Mm -hmm. They have to come out somewhat. Right. right and so one way or another one way or the other they're going to come out and so um, men are also not taught how to communicate and so they yell they scream they hit so they does throw. toxic masculinity have anything to do with chivalry no yeah. mm -mm. I, I think those are two actually uh, opposite, opposite yeah. um, chivalry uh, is like our men who right. can tap into who they are and understand that it's okay, right, to be emotional. And it's interesting, if we go back maybe 20 years ago, there's this, uh, they came out with what they call metro, right? Metro man, the metro man. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. And so- Metrosexual. Yeah. yeah, so those are the men who are tapping into their, sex. you know, they can talk about their emotions, but in reality, all men. 
need to be yeah. metrosexual, yeah. right? Because we all have emotions. Yeah. It was a personality and a dress code that went along with <laughs> it. <laughs> I remember it. I the remember it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. man purse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, and then society changed to it, because you, I, small example, the uh -huh. Store Express, if you're familiar with it. At oh, first, yeah, yeah. it just started as a women yes. apparel store, mm -hmm. and then when metrosexual became mm -hmm. the thing, it was the acceptable for a man mm -hmm. to be, okay, I need to be a little bit cleaner, fresher, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's mm -hmm. interesting how we're really conditioned and socialized around things, and mm -hmm. don't even realize it, because there's, it's layers and layers and layers. So of, of, I guess all of the different ethnic groups, why do black men need a specific group <laughs> to identify them, to help them understand there is a healing process for you? It's mm. a great question. Um, first, let me say, because we're all therapists and, and also have a very, very diverse practice. I don't just see uh, black men or black clients for that matter, but um, why black men? Mm -hmm. Because I believe truly that black men are one of the most disenfranchised populations. You turn on the TV, you turn on the media, I just feel like the stereotypes, um, the um, very unique um, cultural races, uh, things that they have to deal with specifically from the media, mm -hmm. from the police, I mean, they're losing, their, black men are losing their lives. Um, and that's, that's not happening to other groups of people. So why black men? I mean, in addition to, we're obviously women of color as well, but I feel like it's, um, it's a big crisis in the black community. And mm -hmm. I still personally subscribe to the idea that men are the head of the community and head of the household. Mm -hmm. And I feel like black men are being ripped from that role um, and not being upheld to that role um, and not support it. Like I wanna lift them up mm -hmm. and I feel like everything else just kinda tears them down. And then the other thing is, so we made Black Men Hill a nonprofit because I also thought about the fact that most resources go to women programs, yes. youth mm -hmm. programs. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, like women, I, I feel like we kinda are doing a damn thing to be honest. Like I feel like women, we come together for all types of networking events, mm -hmm. for brunches. We have so many different events that we support each other, right? Mm -hmm. Men don't have that same space. Mm -hmm. They haven't come together in that same way. Other than the black fraternities, you know, there's not really that many, you know, uh, black male oriented groups that actually are helping men come together. Mm -hmm. And our logo for Black Men Hill is Hilled Men, Hill Men. So the whole mm -hmm. concept is that by us helping to heal one man, that that man will then reach back and create a safe, vulnerable space for another male. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of the vessels of a program, but you know, this is not really about us. It really is about men. So I actually feel proud and honored to be able to serve men. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think some of the gains that we've made in the last 10, 15, 20 years has I guess hurt that process because they used to have barber shops, they used to have the locker room, they used mm -hmm. to have their own golf courses. Mm -hmm. But now all of that is being broken down to include everybody. So it's mm -hmm. not just a male locker room anymore. Mm -hmm. There yeah. are female commentators mm -hmm. that go into that locker right. room. Mm -hmm. It's not just the barber shop anymore because now you have the barber and the beautician mm -hmm. all under the same roof. Mm -hmm. It's not just the, you know, the male golf club mm -hmm. anymore because now, you know, women are 
I want to say infiltrating, but mm -hmm. joining those same clubs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think that has helped or hurt the process that men had to actually heal? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a balance. I don't think it's really hurt it because okay. I feel like, again, they've already been conditioned to respond in right. a certain way. So if I was in the barbershop, if I was in, you know, whatever, the golf club and we're mm -hmm. still together, mm -hmm. they still are going to interact based off of what they know to do. Right. I'm not going to be like, man, you know, <laughs> my wife did the, you know, I'm like, yo, uh, so, you mm -hmm. know, what's that game? You know, it, it, it's it's okay. it's a whole different like language around what they really feel. And so regardless of who's coming in and who's coming out, they're still gonna do that same process or pattern. Does that, you know? Absolutely, because if I think about my grandfather and my father, they weren't doing therapy. They weren't talking about their emotions. They, and we were segregated then, right? So mm -hmm. there was this whole segregation where black people live with black people and white people live with white people, mm -hmm. but they still were not nurtured to be able to process their feelings. They still were not nurtured to deal with their emotions. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure if one has anything to do with the other. Uh, so what we are espousing is that it's okay, right, for men to talk and say that they're sad. It's okay for men to say, I'm depressed and I need help. It's okay for men to say, um, I don't understand and seek out help. Um, and why I just kind of want to touch on what Taz said in addition to us being women of color and also believing sort of, you know, we are missing strong men within our communities. So our communities are falling apart, right? Because of the lack of the man, right? Because of the lack of the father. One of the things that I despise is when women say they can be children's fathers. Hmm. You cannot. You can never be a man. You can I'm the mother never. and the father in right. my house. Absolutely. There's no such thing. Just like a man can't be a mother, right? So in the argument and where people, I mean, in the, this argument goes through the roof. That a woman can raise a man. You say to that. So women can't, women they do can raise, raise men. Okay. But that's not my point because I have a male child. Okay. He's 19 years old. What I have raised and what I have given him mm -hmm. are here's what character looks like, right? Here's what love looks like. Here's what God looks like. This is what God expects of you. Mm -hmm. What his father gives him, right, is as a man, how do I process all the things and my character and what comes up against me and how that makes me feel as a man? I don't know what that feels like as a man. I don't because we, we are uh, biologically different. Our mind is different neurologically we're different and so there is no way that I can say I can raise a man as a man right I can help raise a man and that's why it's important for you to have the female aspect and the male aspect for all children right but no way can a woman be a father and with that we'll be right back after <laughs> this to discuss how is it that the women in the community can help black men heal what if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head. What if, with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true, authentic self? It is possible, and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy shares how to resolve emotional baggage. 
and feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. And we're back with the founders of Black Men Heal, learning the differences between the healing process for men and women, and then especially in the community with black men. My next question is, what is it that family and friends can do to help black men heal? Because if you have a family or a community, a neighborhood, mm -hmm. and only one person is seeking out counseling or mm -hmm. taking the advice, mm -hmm. doesn't it have to be a community effort? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, my, my, I'm sure they have many ideas as well, but the very first thing that keeps coming to mind for me, which is also a big part of what we are providing in our platform for mm -hmm. Blackman Hill is a safe space. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think of safety a lot when it comes to men because they don't feel, this is not a safe world for mm -hmm. African-American men. This is not a safe place. For a lot of men that I hear from in my practice, even their own relationships don't feel safe. Right. Um, I see, we, we all see couples. And so I've seen men, I've seen it in my, office and I'm actually happy to witness it as an observer because mm -hmm. it's made me look within myself as a woman mm -hmm. how am I with men but oftentimes in in the room if a man is trying to almost kind of like ease on out to that ledge to try to express himself mm -hmm. but we have to understand men's brains are different from mm -hmm. women's brains men communicate different mm -hmm. they might try they, they experience their emotions differently mm -hmm. and definitely communicate them differently so I've seen a man try to get into that space and a woman shut it down mm -hmm. um, I've seen this before and I'm like wow and so it's, it's really made me look within myself too because we do communicate different and as a therapist, when I work with men, I realize the reason why um, I am able to help men is because I don't have any expectation of them. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's no pressure that they, I can meet them exactly where they're at mm -hmm. as opposed to what I see in my office a lot is that women want men to be where they're at. Mm -hmm. They want to, them to get it from their lens. Mm -hmm. So it's like really trying to, the safe space would look like a place where it's non-judgmental, it's non-critical, it's, um, it's non-shaming. That's a really big one. Um, and that it's patient and it's compassionate and it's full of love. Um, so it's an unconditional safe space. And that is what therapy can provide and that's what Black Men Hill hopes to provide. I would say, and it's interesting we were talking about this beforehand and so for the community and friends, I really think about our words. Our words mm -hmm. have so much power. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a picture that I see often where it's a parent and it has like these spout of words going to a child's head. Yes. But we don't think mm -hmm. about even how we relate to each other as adults. So I'd mm -hmm. say, you know, let's really be mindful of our words. Mm -hmm. You know, there's power in the tongue. Mm -hmm. You know, there's power in what we say to each other. So let's be mindful of that, of what we're speaking into. I can speak power or mm -hmm. I can speak death into you. So I would say definitely think about what you're saying, what you really mean. So let's say uh, one of the guys in my neighborhood said um, he was getting ready to go to his therapist appointment. And I was like, what? Right. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a, what you going to see a, <laughs> what? You need a shrink? 
Right. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. handle what's going on out here in the hood. What, what right. is, what's, what's up with you? Right, right. right. With those words, mm-hmm. as negative as they are, mm-hmm. what should that person's response be? I, again, with the language, mm-hmm. I get it, because that's going to be our automatic response. Mm-hmm. Because again, we're conditioned in the black community. We don't go seek help outside, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So instead of asserting and saying, what, ask questions like, okay, wow, what, what's making you go to therapy? You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I've never been, so what is that like? It's, it's a total, you could be saying the same thing, but it's now you're not putting, like, you're not bashing right, it. You're saying, you're shaming, right. you're asking about it because mm-hmm. you are curious. Or even ask, are you finding that that is helping you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then that may be a cue for that person, person. for you mm-hmm. to actually maybe tag along mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get an appointment for yourself. Right. And actually, that's one of the components that we ask. So one of the missions of our program mm-hmm. is that they we give them eight free sessions and that they will then be ambassadors um, mm-hmm. for therapy. And okay. so in that scenario that you laid out there, if someone says, oh, what are you going to therapy for? You need therapy, mm-hmm. that he is so grounded in the work that he is doing and confident that he comes back and he says, yeah, man, <laughs> I, I, I am going And to here's therapy. what I got from and this. Yes. Is what, right. <laughs> this is what it's done for me. Mm-hmm. This is how it's improved my life. This is how I'm different. This is how my family's different. This is how I'm relating to my children differently or to my children's mother or my spouse or my partner. Um, and so, you know, when I think of what else, that non-judgmental piece is very important. Um, and because we come from a community that has been very secretive, but I know that secrets kill, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean physically. Mm-hmm. I mean that a lot of people who come across my desk over these past 15, 20 years have been living corpses, right? Because mm-hmm. of the secrets that they have been holding on to and the trauma that they have been holding on to. Mm-hmm. And so, and if we take that a little bit further um, from a Christian standpoint, right? Churches, right, have shamed people around mental health. They called it demonic, they've called it satanic. Um, Child, just pray is, about it. Exactly. Or <laughs> here's some scriptures, right? Uh-huh. And so, really, if you read the Bible, it's antithetical because in the Bible, God talks about counseling. In the Bible, God talks about going to get help. In the Bible, God talks about leaning on one another. And so the non-judgment is so important. Um, and if we look at statistically, our black men are now committing suicide at a much larger percentage than they've ever committed suicide before. And so if that does not alarm our community, if that does not shake some trees and say, you know, we have to do something different, and that's where black men heal, and hopefully nationally that will be change. And mm-hmm. suicide is happening younger yes. and younger. Yes. Yes. Do you all ever get pushback to say, well, you can't understand my problems, you're a woman? Uh, hasn't happened at all. You know what's <coughs> interesting, too? Um, they, the men, like, so on our application, mm-hmm. one of the things we ask the men is, like, do you have any, what can you imagine if they haven't had therapy before mm-hmm. that you're looking for, that you want in a therapist? And we have, what, 14 men that have come through our first trial? None of them said, I want to make sure I don't have a woman. Because right. at the end of the day, I think being able to provide this service, being the vessel, I mean, you know, life comes through women. Everybody's mm-hmm. here because of a woman, right? Because mm-hmm. we give life. But it's interesting. So I, we haven't received any pushback as far as who they want to work with. But I know in my private practice, there's times when I've, I've 
worked with men mm -hmm. and I actually thought that they would do better. I've, mm -hmm. I've wanted for them to mm -hmm. have a male therapist. Mm -hmm. I've suggested it and I've referred it and they don't always follow through with it. And when I ask why, yeah. what they say is, I, I could never be this vulnerable with another man. Mm -hmm. So a lot of men, a lot of my personal friends, professional men call me for a therapist referrals and I'm like, cool, what are you looking for in a therapist? They're like, a black woman. Mm -hmm. So that's the safest thing, because think about it. When are men the most vulnerable? With their mama mm -hmm. or with their romantic partners? Mm -hmm. And do you want to give your individual handles for social media? Oh, sure. sure. So um, I'm Tasneem Suleiman, and what am I on social, like all of a sudden <laughs> I can't think of it. Okay, so on Instagram I am at underscore Taz, T-A-Z, talk therapy, okay. underscore. Okay, and I'm on Instagram at K-Love Theories, and also on Facebook and other sites as just Kavana Nixon. Uh, Instagram, I am Ann L. Colley, just my name with the number 20 at the end. Mm -hmm. And on Facebook, I'm just Ann L. Colley. As you can see, Philly runs deep with great, <laughs> mental, great mental health options. The struggles of life are real. Getting help is nothing to be ashamed of. If you are currently in crisis, you can also call the National Crisis Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Because as we all know, sometimes you don't want to be fixed, you just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. Be sure to check out that's for where and when to see our next episode.